Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Varese, 1914. While the Italian province debates the war scenarios created by the unexpected killing of Archduke Franz Ferdinand, heir to the Austrian throne in Sarajevo, the local shoemaking factory proudly boasts its success with a poster by master illustrator, postcard designer and advertising pioneer Leopoldo Metlikovic. His ad for Calzaturificio di Varese is quite remarkable. A fashionable lady smiles while lifting her skirt with flirty eyes. Just the time to look at her dress, red like her lipstick, and her shoes become the focus of our attention. A pair of shoes that suddenly becomes visible. A pair of shoes that abruptly elicits the curiosity in us to hear her story. A few months later, on the pier of the Naples Harbor, a young shoemaker from Campania laced up his shoes while waiting to board his steamship, proudly lifting his pants to see them better. He had made them for the journey during his apprenticeship in the city, and admiring them, was wondering where they would take him, what story they would lead him into. It was March 24, 1915. Two weeks later, on April 7, he registered at Ellis Island as Salvadore Ferragamo. He did not know then that a month into his American life, a German U-boat would torpedo the Lusitania steamship, jeopardizing transatlantic travel. He did not know that soon after, Italy would abandon neutrality to declare war against Austria. He did not know that he would become the greatest shoe designer of the 20th century, turning footwear from a hidden colorless accessory into a language of dreams. At the time of Ferragamo's arrival in the United States, shoemaking was a key occupation for Italian immigrants. A major catalyst for many of them was the shoe factory that entrepreneurs George F. Johnson and Henry B. Endicott had developed in the southern tier of New York State. Witway EJ was the phrase many Italians learned by heart as they disembarked at Ellis Island to indicate that they were directed to the Endicott Johnson factory in the town of Endicott, New York, which was planned around its workers. It was there that the boots of American soldiers for World War I and World War II were manufactured. It was also there that years later, IBM was first established. Now, Ferragamo did not go the EJ way, but moved up north to join his siblings in Boston. Once there, he worked for the Plant Shoe Company, manufacturing boots with high-precision machinery. For a trained artisan like him, it didn't take much to grow dissatisfied with this mechanical job, but he did not settle on remaining in the cheap labor force. Rather, he saw his Italian training as a resource and his dream as the inspiration to become the creator and protagonist of a new story. In the episode I dedicated to Sergio Marchionne, I called the immigrant's mindset this paradoxical disposition of rooted openness, simultaneously capable of powerfully bringing to life a given tradition and imaginatively picturing the next steps or the extra mile. 
the memory of his own call to shoemaking guarded him from the temptation of surrender. In his village of Bonito, he had spent hours watching the local shoemaker work in silence as kids do when they're fascinated by an adult while dreaming to become one himself someday. His father did not approve of his passion, but one day, there's always a beautiful day when suddenly everything is revealed. Well, one day, his father found himself with no money to buy white shoes for the first communion of his daughter, Giuseppina. To save him from shame, little Salvatore, who was only nine at the time, borrowed the tools from the local shoemaker and worked overnight to make shoes for his sister. It was the first pair he ever made. The next morning, even his father was finally convinced. Well, that was his call, the beginning that he could never forget. The extra mile he pursued and envisioned instead was in California, where he joined another brother, and together they opened a shop for repair and made-to-measure shoes. In his Santa Barbara store, young Ferragamo began to design shoes for the rising cinematographic industry and acquired first-hand exposure to high-end customers. His business grew, but he was not content with profitable orders for film footwear or cowboy boots. Rather, he continued his quest for the perfect shoe, studying anatomy at the University of Southern California, perfecting his craftsmanship and patenting shanks to increase comfort. Building on his growing notoriety, in 1925, he opened his first store in Hollywood, paying homage to Italy by adorning it with classical decorations and Renaissance-style tapestries. Two years later, after acquiring U.S. citizenship, his passion for Renaissance art led him back to the peninsula. Ferragamo chose Florence as the ideal soil for his creativity because of its availability of leather and skilled artisans, but also because of its cultural heritage and its remarkable diversity of arts and trades. He dreamed of the city as a theatrical stage where fashion could interact with eternity, where trend could aspire to become art, where transitory items like shoes could similarly become objects of never-ending astonishment or part of an everlasting collection or museum. His adventure in the Toscan city began in 1927, when he commissioned the design of his logo to the futurist artist Lucio Venna and set up his workshop in Via Manelli, supervising the training of 75 apprentices. Though he was firm in his decision to opt for Italian citizenship and reunite with his family, the economic crisis of 1929 brought severe instability to the store, and organizational difficulties led Ferragamo to file for bankruptcy in 1933, with the subsequent decision to sell his Hollywood boutique to stay afloat. Despite heavy limitations, he got to work again, cultivating his American clientele and renting rooms in the medieval palace Spiniferroni. And in 1936, he refounded the company. Only three years later, he had managed to open stores in Rome and Milan. This period of financial difficulties and lack of resources gave him the opportunity to sharpen his style and elaborate new creative solutions for his clients. At the time when footwear was prevalently black or brown, Ferragamo introduced color to shoes, adopting bright new materials to make them visible. Building on his anatomy studies, he modeled beautiful, comfortable, and unique shoes around his customers' feet. His collection of foot molds from famous actresses and eminent women is now part of the Ferragamo Museum. 
Now, a key circumstance for developing his innovative vision also came from fascist autarky and the embargo on foreign imports, which limited the use of steel to weapons only and forced him to find a replacement material for shoe shanks. Ferragamo decided to adopt Sardinian cork and pressed its glue layers into a wedge, which could give support to the feet and offer a designable surface. His first platform shoe with his trademark wedge heel was the rainbow sandal which he designed for Judy Garland in 1939 as a tribute to her performance in The Wizard of Oz. That shoe immortalized his new style and relaunched his popularity. Around the same time, Ferragamo returned to his hometown of Bonito, where he met Vanda Miletti, daughter of the local doctor and chief magistrate. They would marry in Naples a year later, on November 9, 1940. Although the war slowed him down, he never went out of business, and in the post-war years, he managed to fully recover by 1947. That year, Neiman Marcus invited him to Dallas to confer a fashion award upon him for his ability to reinvent classical heritage with modern ingenuity. For the occasion, he designed the Invisible Sandals, one of his most iconic masterpieces. In 1947, Ferragamo also met the Argentinian First Lady Evita Perón, who was visiting Italy with her husband, Juan Perón, and who would then become his lifelong customer. After opening his first store in New York in 1948, Ferragamo's notoriety spread all over the world. Over the following 12 years, until his death in 1960, he would become not just the most sought-after shoe designer for high-end clients, some memorable pieces of his design are now at the Metropolitan Museum, but also one of the leading promoters of the Italian fashion movement. Ferragamo's clients included glamorous Italian and international movie stars like Anna Magnani, Sofia Loren, Greta Garbo, Jean Harlow, Audrey Hepburn and Marilyn Monroe. Audrey Hepburn visited him in Florence in 1954 after winning an Oscar for Roman Holiday, and Ferragamo designed the shell-shaped sole for her, one of his most famous patents. As for Marilyn Monroe, she moved to New York the same year and became a regular at that city's store, as documented by the fact that she wore Ferragamo pumps or stiletto heels in all her movies, and that Ferragamo himself patented his renowned four-inch heel for her, half wood, half steel. Along with actresses, Ferragamo also listed prominent women across the globe among his clients, like the Queen of Greece, the Duchess of Windsor, the Maharani of Kush Behar, and last but not least, a wealthy American customer who ordered a custom-made 18-karat gold sandal, which of course now ranks among his most astonishing creations. During the same post-war years, Ferragamo became a key figure in the movement which led to the birth of the Italian fashion industry. In 1948, he paired his shoes with Elsa Schiaparelli's creations in the fashion show organized at Palazzo Strozzi during the event The Italian Woman Over the Centuries. And on February 12, 1951, he participated in the first Italian fashion show organized by Giovanni Battista Giorgini with the international press and American buyers, an occasion that many consider as the foundational event of Italian moda. Ferragamo died at the age of 62 in 1960, at the peak of his creativity, and the company passed to his wife Wanda and his children Fiamma, Giovanna and Ferruccio. Over the following decades, the brand expanded its portfolio, producing bags, eyewear, watches, perfumes and ready-to-wear clothing lines. But the founder's legacy is still very much a part of its DNA. 
as confirmed by the creation of a dedicated museum in 1995 in the same Palazzo Spiniferoni, where Salvatore Ferragamo restarted his business, met with clients, and designed his greatest creations. What made Ferragamo an eternal artist, as depicted in his famous 1949 portrait by the Florentine painter Pietro Nigoni, was certainly his ability to combine craft, aesthetic sense, and anatomy, as exemplified by his famous patent for the cage heel but also, and most importantly, his tension to reconfigure shoes, and heels in particular, into storytelling devices. In his hands, heels turn in fact from structures elevating feet and hiding them under a dress into sophisticated architecture, support screens, and designable surfaces, as we also see in the wedge heels of his rainbow shoes. Through color, elevation, and design, Ferragamo made shoes visible, transforming them from a transitory item into walking canvases, from ephemeral accessories into ever-shining symbols of freedom, joy, and life. Perhaps this was the story that the woman was dreaming of in the Calzaturificio di Varese ad. Perhaps this was the hidden secret that her shoes were foreshadowing. Thank you very much for watching. If you like this video, I invite you to subscribe to this YouTube channel or the webpage www.italianinnovators.com to receive notifications of new episodes. You can also follow me on my LinkedIn profile or on Instagram at Italian Innovators for additional materials about the show. Thanks again. Arrivederci e alla prossima. guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.